Welcome to the Impact Central Leadership Podcast, where better founders build better businesses, impact always matters, and success goes beyond profit. We're back for another exciting episode of the Impact Central Leadership Podcast. How are you today, SL? I am top of the world. Top of the world. Why so? I'm really looking forward to going home and spending some time with my family at Christmas, which okay. feels not as far away as it did. It feels like it's we're almost there. It's been a long year for everybody, and I think everyone is just looking forward to a wee bit of a break. Yeah, and on this uh, on our podcast, we like to talk about social issues and environmental issues. Yep. And today's issue is an environmental one. And what is one of the biggest environmental issues, SL? Well, I think, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but single-use plastic and plastic in general is from the devil, <laughs> destroying the world. I By guess, 2050, there's going to be more plastic than fish in the ocean. Which is so depressing. Yeah. Because it means we're going to be eating it, right? Mm-hmm. One of the problems is that, you know, we, we have with these issues and uh, a lot of our founders figure out a way, because they have to, is how do you turn this into a business yeah. and how do you get society and all of us as consumers or structuring things in such a way that allows you to get the funding you need yeah. to build your venture mm -hmm. so that it can grow and thrive because the bigger it gets, the more impact you're going to have. Exactly. And I think another thing we, we often talk about and think about is what is that mechanism that founders can communicate that people will actually pay for a different approach to a problem mm -hmm. so that uh, that can help the, the tidal change that we're wanting to see. So it, it obviously feels like it starts so tiny and so small mm -hmm. and then you need like a real mass to get behind that for right. any kind of change to happen. But that's why it's so exciting to talk to Rachel of our pledge yeah. and, and, and you know as you say uh, you know we may want to have our merchants and, and people do things differently in terms of how they're doing packaging but from their perspective how do they really know that in other words if I'm a if I'm a store if I run a mini mart or if I am a producer of items and I do my packaging a certain way. I do that because I think that that's what my customers want. I might be following trends. I might be reading that, hey, uh, you know, people want me to do my packaging differently, but how do I know that they're actually going to buy my stuff if exactly. I do change the packaging? If I make it, are my customers willing to be a little bit inconvenienced you know, for the for the good of the environment, or am I just gonna suffer because they're just not gonna buy my stuff? And I think at that level, it's very risky to assume uh, for a business owner to assume what their customers want without engaging with their customers. Exactly. So our pledge, and we'll be talking about this with Rachel, but what she's come up with is a way for customers to signal their intentions mm -hmm. to uh, the people that they buy things from. Yeah and also to transfer a little bit of that risk. So you as a customer can signal with your wallet, with your actual money, that you are gonna act in a certain way that's then, that then gives the confidence to that merchant that they should be doing things differently because you will be buying from them. Absolutely. And so without further digging into it without Rachel, why don't we go into our discussion that we had with her on our pledge and how we might in particular uh, tackle the uh, scourge of plastic that we're dealing with from an environmental basis as a society. Awesome. 
I know with climate change, uh, a lot of the issues seem to be these macro issues that we really can't get our, our heads around or can't figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna individually make a difference. But one particular area is plastic use, and I think that is that is the area that you've kind of identified where we can individually make a difference. And tell us a little bit more about what we should understand with regards to plastic use. Sure. I mean, I think plastic. Is a really way, it's a really good way into um, thinking about our impact relevant to this conversation. You know, um, it's tangible, it's physical, we use it all the time, um, we take it for granted. You can kind of go down into the layers of all the different um, ways in which plastic can be a problem for the climate, whether that's in its production or in its um, in how we discard it. You know, and so it's it's just is itself a macro issue in a way because we rely on it so much and it's not always a bad thing you know there are there are times when you know plastics have have helped to keep food um, fresh for longer so that people can be fed there are sort of in issues within issues but you know it's one of those things that you can see it you can see it um accumulating you can see it landing on beaches you can see it doing physical damage to wildlife you can see the ecosystemic damage it does once it gets into an ecosystem the microplastics that we've all heard about are doing extraordinary damage to our oceans our oceans are really the the fundamental such a fundamental part of our earth's ecosystem um, the balancing act between every natural uh, system is held together in in a in a really meaningful way by water and if you're messing with the things that make water help us as a civilization as as a, an ecosystem then we're really really putting ourselves in some serious trouble and some and some danger mm -hmm. and of course you know i think individually we might think about how can we reduce our plastic use but oftentimes it feels like we can't make a, a dent in in other people's choices and also kind of how the producers are packaging things in in plastics and i i've heard you talk in the past about i think you called it collective consumerism and how how that might be a force for good yeah definitely um i mean i can com completely hear what you're saying and it can feel really like it can feel like a, a huge mountain to climb uh, but you know there's absolute power in as you say, the, in the collective. And, you know, we all have, we rely on a, on a consumer system to survive. You know, we, we, we have to buy things to, to eat and, and to heat ourselves and to, to keep ourselves, you know, dry and you know, all, all, the, all the basics. But there's huge power in the collective. And, and it's, the power is like literal in that, you know, more people do more things, but it's also psychological. If you see other people doing it and you go on a journey with them and more people join you, you feel hopeful, you feel, you probably have fun, you know, you have people to chat to about it. You can see the, the, um, the product of, you know, your work um, in the real world. So that's something that we really tried to tap into. And, you know, and just to say, I mean, it's all huge and it's all kind of, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming, but there's so, so, so much potential for us to have a huge impact just by making a few small changes. It, it can be, um, quite staggering what what's mm. possible so I, I wonder if you could maybe just talk us through what a couple of those small changes could look like sure I mean there's really there's, there's some real basics and actually that has has now got behind some of the things that I think we've all heard of like you know 
not using plastic straws, um, you know, just saying no to a plastic straw. Um, if you can using a, a your own cup, although that can be difficult now during obviously the, the period of time that we're recording this in, you know, there's some restrictions around bringing your own cups, but um, bringing your own water bottle, just a mentality around whether you need a plastic, you know, some of those, those small changes can, as I say, have a really, really huge impact. So those are small things that we can do on the day to day. And then just thinking about other alternatives in terms of where you go to get your shopping, mm. how it is delivered to you. You know, refill stations are an incredibly fast growing and resilient um, part of consumer behavior and have been throughout the pandemic, interestingly, and, you know, are, are becoming more and more um, normalized, I suppose, and, mm. and, um, and embraced. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even in the little town that I grew up in, which is very tiny, it's not a city at all, um, we have a refill store. And I was so thrilled to see that because I was like, yes, it's like becoming much more mainstream than it would have been. Because I think typically um, people would expect that kind of thing in a bigger city, uh, in particular parts of a bigger city where people are maybe more conscious of their consumption and it would be maybe a specialized store. But to see that it's, mu it's becoming much more common is a massive encouragement because then you have the possibility, I guess, of collective consumerism, as you were talking about earlier, because it becomes normalized. Yeah, and it's just, it's in your mind when you leave the house, you know, like when you walk out the door, a lot of people now walk out the door, have I got my water bottle? Have I got a, you know, have I got a tote bag? Have I yeah. got, um, you know, my, um, have I got hand gel? You know, <laughs> that's a different thing, but um, that's my, I was just going through my checklist for when I leave the house now. Do I have some jars in case I pop into the shop and I see something I need to buy? Or do I, or, you know, just remembering before you intentionally go shopping, you know what, I'm going to get it from a refill station. I'm going to bring a bottle. I'm going to bring a jar. It, I'm going to bring a, a plastic um, Tupperware. You know, if it's a, if it's a, a plastic item that you use a lot of times, so that's, that's okay, you know? So, um, and even now I start thinking about the other day I got some bread and they gave it to me in a paper bag and I just kept the paper bag and went back and got more bread in the same paper bag. You know, yeah. it's it's that kind of just like shift in your thinking where you're like, oh, like we're, we became so accustomed to just chucking stuff away, away get yeah. finished. Yeah. And being good. And that, that was a good thing. You know, we don't let her throw it in the bin, throw it away, throw it away. It was, you know, that was driven into us when we were growing well, when I was growing up. Yeah. So, so there's little things that we can do, but if we're going to tackle this problem in a bigger way, uh, you recognize that we also needed to get a lot of the stores and, uh, I guess, producers on board in terms of uh, being more active in helping us solve this problem with plastics. And uh, that's where our pledge comes in. Maybe you could tell us kind of how you came up with that idea. You know, I think it's really important to, to feel comfortable about having an environmental conversation that also deals with consumer culture and um, and business, you know, like, because everyone, we, we need to make money. And um, so I was really, and you know, and a lot of people get, A, quite sort of, um, I don't know, overwhelmed by talking about climate change, and B, just sort of get worried that somehow it's going to affect um, their business or, or their, you know, their purse, you know, their wallet, if they're an individual, like it sort of just feels like it's a big change and it's going to make, you know, it's going to have these repercussions. And so I just wanted to like move myself into a space that like reassured people. I was like, how do we de-risk this whole thing? And like, how do we, how do we speak to each other 
as a community of people who all want what's best for the planet, you know, and therefore for us. I guess the idea just came out of planting those seeds in my brain and, you know, and seeing the sort of face fall that people have when I just talked about the environment without a solution, you know, Mm -hmm. like you really need to, I feel like if you're going to go into that, that discussion, you need to be able to say, and there's something you can do about it. Otherwise it's just a really big downer. And so (laughs) I was trying to think about that. You know, I'm really interested in economics. I'm interested in, in local economics and local economies. Um, And I just, it became really obvious to me that supply chains were broken way before um, the pandemic kind of reinforced that by like, by things not being able to get to the shelves, you know, this, this, we weren't working in a, in a mind, you know, a mindful or efficient way. So I guess I just was doing some crowdfunding and I was thinking about local economies and I was thinking about, well, how do we de-risk this and make it fun? And my subconscious mind did some work for me and went, well, what about this solution? What about a pledge to buy, pledge to supply platform where, you know, people are, it's, and, you know, it's just a reverse thinking. You mm-hmm. know, it's just going, well, let's put demand before supply. Right. It's pretty straightforward. You know, it's like going, <laughs> well, let's prove the demand. And then that means the supply will come because that's good business, right? I think our listeners might be interested to hear kind of an, an, your first pilot, because I think that'll give them a concrete example of, of how you, how you got a store to work with the consumer, you know, their customers. And I, I think that was in the, the Stone Mini Market, which actually was about a year ago now. So uh, maybe you could just walk us through that pilot and, and how it worked and what you were asking both, or what Stone agreed to do, and then what they were asking their customers to do. That started really, I mean, I live in Leighton Stone, where Stone Mini Market are based. So I was looking for... Um, someone to collaborate with on like proving the model. I had the idea and I wanted to find a partner to do that. And I, I through Transition Leightonstone, I was connected with the owner of the mini market. And to, to a certain extent, they had kind of started thinking about their, their plastic waste. And so they were in a discussion. They kind of had had the penny dropping moment where they were like, whoa, we, we, we sell a lot of plastic. That's maybe, maybe that's not so good. And I think part of that realization was that their customers were coming in and going, Hmm, isn't it bad about, I think everyone had seen Blue Planet, you know, and it was that sort of Blue Planet <laughs> effect. So the conversation right. was kind of happening mm-hmm. um, in, in the shop anyway. So, you know, they, they, we kind of, we knew that they were interested. We knew that the, the community was interested. And let's, just to be super clear, Stone Mini Market is a convenience store. It's like where you would go on the way home to buy a packet of crisps and you know pick up maybe get a beer and have a chat with Adriani and Ocken who own it and you know you, you might get some uh, some cleaning products but it's like a it's a corner you know like a corner shop it's really um part of the community in a, in such a kind of um, ingrained way there's nothing necessarily um eco or specialized about it it's totally embedded in the middle of Leightonstone so that was interesting because it's not somewhere where you'd expect to see a refill station for example so the first thing we did was test, test our hypothesis, right? It's all very well for us to go, oh, yes, we think everyone would be interested in this, but we have to know. So we did a survey and we spoke to the community and we asked the customers, you know, would you be interested in buying these products? And they said, aha, uh-huh. yes, we would. That sounds great. What do you mean by these products, Rachel? Oh, so, yeah, sorry, to be clear. So we asked them um, about a set of different products. So we were really honing in on the refill um, options that would be available. So we were thinking about like, Household cleaner, shampoo, conditioner, um, 
that kind of thing, liquids, and then pasta and rice, some nuts, some seeds, um, maybe some cereals. So we had a whole list of products that we put into a survey and we just said, would you be interested in buying these things? And would you be interested in buying them from us? And would you be interested in buying them in a, from a refill station with no plastic? Lots of people, I think we had about 80, 80 responses to the survey and pretty much everyone said, yes, 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 yes. So yes, I would be interested in buying it uh, from you. Yes, I would be interested in buying it in a way that uses no plastic through a refill station. Yeah. And yes, I would prepay for it was one of the questions that we asked as well. Interesting. And, and what does that mean exactly prepay for it? I don't know if you've ever um, done participated in a crowdfunding campaign, but basically what you do is, and this is sort of managed by the the, um, the system that you use. So Stripe, you've probably heard of Stripe payments. So we use a, um, a kind of pre-made platform that we have customized ourselves and it speaks to Stripe. And what it does is, so as a consumer, you put your credit card details into the system and the system goes, thanks very much. I'll keep those safe. You're going to pay. You've said you, you would have, be happy to pay 20 pounds and here's your credit card details. And the system goes, great, thanks. We'll keep that safe. And if the target of X is met, we will take that money, we'll send you a receipt and you will be able to go into Stone Mini Market and claim your goods um, with your digital voucher. The system also knows if we do not reach our target, thank you very much, here's your money back. Well, they never take the money, it just gets, you know, the whole thing gets deleted and the system forgets you and moves on with its life. So um, it's an automated way of putting your money into a kind of holding pen until enough people are there with you to, 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 to make the transaction happen. Does that make sense? Maybe we could just check that a little bit more, uh, just, just to clarify it in my mind. So um, the owners of Stone, uh, they, uh, have, they've received this survey where people are saying that uh, they would, people would be willing to, to prepay if they were to provide them uh, products that were not in a, not in plastics. Yeah. And, and that's important for the, the owners of stone because otherwise, uh, if they just went and spent the money on doing that, it would, um, I guess they lose the money or, or I guess they lose customers. Well, they just couldn't do it. I mean, it was a big change for them. So that's not, it's not within their projections. They don't have that money lying around. To do the work, you have to build some infrastructure. You have to have your, dispo, um, you have to have your refill dispensers. You have to have a scales. You have to have stickers that, um, that have the barcodes on them so that the system can read what you're buying. So there's, you know, there's, some, there's some infrastructure that needs to take place for that to be viable. How much would that cost about, Rachel? I think it was about fifteen hundred pounds or two thousand pounds, something like that. Okay. It wasn't huge, you know. We we set the target at five thousand pounds for this campaign, so we weren't doing anything massively. I mean, we did a second campaign, which was well, I'll tell you about that too. But um, <laughs> we we did a with the, for the first campaign, we're trying to be sensible, you know, and um, but also to do it in a really proper way, you have to get buy in the stock and have it available and commit to it, sure. and that's a that's a financial outlay that most businesses aren't prepared to do, and plus, which most businesses don't have the time or the resource or that, you know, they don't know where to go. To, you know, there isn't really a go-to site for like, how do I become more sustainable and get a refill station in my shop? It doesn't exist. So, you know, it's all a big risk and they're stretching up as it is. I mean, Adrian Ockham were working so many hours. It was crazy. So, you know, they, they wouldn't have done it if it wasn't right. for the, 
the campaign. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. We were talking earlier, you know, we as consumers want to have these things, but ultimately it's the risk they were taking on the risk in case enough people didn't show up to buy it, right? So that's, I guess, why you needed to, to make sure you had the survey and enough people uh, would, would show that. So so you, you got the survey. Sorry, sorry for that. I just need to clarify it in my mind. You got the survey results. It looked like you might have enough people. And then what did you do? What we did next was a cost analysis. So we sat down with them and said, all the things that we just spoke about, like how much is this going to cost you? We worked that out with them. And we had conversations with suppliers. We had conversations. We, you know, we did research into where are your retail stations going to come from? Your, your dispense is going to come from. And, you know, are they genuinely good, good ones? You know, are they... Um, do they have any, you know, uh, hidden impacts that we're going to that are going to come back to bite us if we say we're doing this this good green thing? Um, so, so the next thing we did was the research, and we really costed it up for them and looked at every piece of the puzzle, so that when we set our target, we knew that it was there was nothing that was going to that was hidden from them in terms of costs. So, they were covered you know, that we wouldn't have wanted them to, to take any risks. So yeah, so that was the next thing. And then out of that, we, we set our target, which for that campaign was £5,000. Right. And so then we were able to build the campaign page. You've seen probably Kickstarter campaign pages and things like that, very similar. Um, but what we were selling were vouchers for different items of food. So are you going to buy a voucher for pasta? Are you going to buy a voucher for um, rice? Are you going to buy a voucher for coffee or tea? Um, so people were able to select from a whole list um, as if they were doing their shopping, really. And then um, that information was fed into the system so that when we re- reached the target, we could say, well, look, 60 percent of people want pasta, but nobody wants breakfast cereal. So mm-hmm. let's not waste any money there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So the whole process is like de-risk, de-risk, de-risk. So if I'm a customer of Stone and I did my survey and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, and then they say, great, we're now doing this. Our pledge has come in. Rachel's, you know, figure this whole thing out for us. And uh, then they're instructed to go to the Our Pledge site where um, they can basically put their money where their pledge was, where their survey was, right? They can, they can put money down and you've made it clear to them that uh, if enough of them actually did put the money down. So, you know, people fill out a lot of surveys that <laughs> end up not being uh, actually what happens. But in this case, they're going to have to do it. So if they, they put down enough money uh, and then uh, Stone would, would transform, is that, that the idea? Yep, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Like we really wanted to, a few people said, why don't you just do a paper MVP? Like just ask people to do it. And I was like, no, they have to pay for it because the amount of times all of us have been like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Of course I will. And then you just don't <laughs> because life is busy and there are many other things that get, you know, you get distracted. So I was very much, um, committed to testing the model all the way to that moment. So tell us how the how did the pilot work out? Well, uh, it went really well, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm still really confident to talk about it because it would be terrible if it was like, well, it was a failure and I didn't. <laughs> no, nobody came. Um, that was not the case. We uh, we it was it went surprisingly well. Actually, went it it was so surprising in so many ways. Um, first of all, they exceeded the target. Um, and actually, they also, they innovated with us. So Stone Mini Market said, you know, we don't want to just re- um, have a financial target. We want to have a numeric target. We wanted to know, they wanted to know that it wasn't just one dude coming in who was flush and was like, here's my 5,000 pounds and I'll pay for the refill station. 
for moi, it was like, well, they <laughs> wanted to know that five, that, that um, 100 people were behind it. Because then that proves to them that they have a customer, a regular customer base. You right. know? Yes. Uh, we had over a hundred people pledging. We raised more than five thousand pounds. We raised seven and a half thousand pounds, and we had about one hundred and fifty or so people pledging. Yeah. Um, and I, and oh, go ahead. So that was that was good. I was just going to say, I, I love what you call people that pledge. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so everyone who who pledges to us is a pledgend. Yeah. <laughs> Total. <laughs> Stone Cold legend. Um, so that was part of our, our branding. And um, yeah, so it's successful sort of, you know, statistically, it was really successful. But then mm-hmm. there were other benefits that we just really didn't foresee. You know, for the mini market, it was a it was a PR campaign, a marketing campaign. You know, people were talking about it. You were talking earlier, SL, about stories. It became a story. Mm. You know, oh, the mini market's going to have some, you know, it's going plastic free. You know, can we be a part of it? And then people join in and they want to, you know, they want to help out and be able to talk about it as well. So that that sort of collective um, community consumer power really manifested, which I was really pleased to see. Their sales went up because they had new customers who weren't, weren't shopping there on purpose because they didn't have plastic free products and then heard mm. about it and went, oh, We'll come and shop there now. Nice. Um, they, yeah. So you know, there were just all these. They, they had a bit more negotiating power with suppliers because they're a small shop. But then the suppliers were like, "Well, we know that you've got this, um, you've got this cash flow. You've got these hundred people pledging, so that looks good to us." So yeah, it was kind of um, wow. some some unforeseen ripple effects. And then what happened was that the people who had been a part of it, the pledgings, shout out to them, um, kept coming into to the the shop and saying, "Well, when are we going to do another campaign?" You know, oh, like, really? when, can we, when can we pledge again? When can we top up our pledge card? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I think that's an absolute win. That's brilliant. So we did another campaign and they basically cash, they cash flowed another shop. So I was like, so the mini market has had a 100% increase in shops because they've gone from having one shop to two shops now funded wow. by their pledgings. Yeah. So we did a second campaign and set the target at £6,000 and we made almost £16,000. <laughs> So, wow. yeah. So this is happening in Leytonstone, which has now become ground zero for all of these things. Tell, tell us what's happened in the broader community. Well, off the back of that, people were sort of coming to us and saying, oh, um, could, could, I do a, could I do a campaign? Yes, absolutely. That's the whole point. I mean, obviously, we had a bit of a pause because um, with the pandemic, so many businesses were closed. So we just took that opportunity to have conversations with businesses and listen to them about all of their issues, environmental or not. Um, but no, we, we, you know, we, we just started conversations with businesses through one way or another. Um, and actually, I have to sh- give a shout out through Waltham Forest. Um, they brought in Save the High Street. I don't know if you've heard of them, but mm-hmm. they're an yeah. organization that supports high street businesses. Yeah. So they were doing some work in Waltham Forest and one of their topics was sustainability. And so they started talking to us about, well, when businesses wanted to find out how to become more sustainable, could they direct them to us? And that was really generous of them. And um, so we had some conversations that came out of that. We, we're now sort of working out how to, to mobilize the community uh, in a, slightly more networked way and so next year we'll be launching a partnership this is a bit hot, hot off the press I'm, I have to check Ooh. if I can say this but we have a, we a love, partnership we love with Waltham Forest. 
news just in um that uh yeah waltham forest council who have been really supportive and you know they are ambitious with what they want to do um they they're going to help us to reach more businesses and to reach more customers um in waltham forest so i think there's going to be a much more a much better resourced movement for us next year with more businesses um, on board and you know some of that kind of wider support that we just can't do with the tiny team that we have um, mm-hmm. to get the word out and then obviously um, from there it will be like wider across London and then as you mentioned earlier uh, across the world global global um... uh, one question Rachel people are understanding kind of the use case for stone mini market but you also have ways that people because you mentioned other businesses asking about how how they could use our pledge how they could pledge uh, what if I'm not a, a mini market? Can I also use our pledge? Absolutely. Yeah, we're not. We're talking to coffee shops, restaurants, pet shops, gyms. Um, you know, plastic is kind of everywhere, and I mean, it's not kind of everywhere. It's everywhere. So there's there's something that everyone can do, and we don't, by any stretch of the imagination, think that people should be cash flowing a new shop or a new premises or you know, a new refill station necessarily, you can just cash flow, you know, you can do a small campaign just to try mm. one product, you know, it can be, it can be that small, um, because it won't be that small, it will make a much bigger difference than you will know. Right. I think it's uh, so important if we think about, you know, this time that we've been in COVID and the importance of community at the separation that we're dealing with. And in many ways, your solution is all about community, isn't it? It's about um, how, how we as individual consumers can collectively give uh, confidence to people that are providing services to us that we really want to do something and that we'll support them in, in making positive change. 100%, yeah. And that's another thing I, I hold really close to me about how, how we work and, and that we do want to start with thinking about community first and foremost and um in this in this mission because we are all in this together and i don't know if you heard have you if you've heard barack obama talking when he does his fired up and ready to go speech mm-hmm. but you know he says if one person yeah he talks about you know one person talking can inspire a room and then a room of people talking can inspire uh, a stadium of people talking and 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 it goes on and and just amplifying our voices at that level be really mm-hmm. powerful so right and then also i think really importantly you know action so you're able to to do something where uh people that are inspired could actually do something that could you know kind of take that inspiration to the point of action which is great absolutely i should just want to say one more thing about community which is maybe maybe a better thing to say but you know because you mentioned covid and i i think you know community has become so central to our thinking um this year we're just seeing things from such a different perspective through a different lens we're really seeing who makes our community function you know who makes our community who makes our community i mean you know how how do we exist coexist in this way and so much a part of that are the local businesses you know we know we know these people we see them almost every day we Mm -hmm. care about them and it took this to kind of remind us that um you know, there is that, that sort of unspoken connection with our 
high street with local businesses with people who run the convenience store you know it's um it's i'm so glad that that has been we've been reminded of that and i know you've had some you mentioned you know you've been having some conversations beyond Leightonston and uh waltham forest maybe you can talk a little bit about um you know what where some interests some other organizations that have shown an interest in in our pledge we have lots of conversations i mean i don't know um how how much I can say about certain conversations because they're at different stages, but plastic free is a it's a really resonant theme, and so people are interested. And we and you know I I live between Leytonstone and Cardiff in Wales, and so and Wales actually has some really interesting legislation and governmental um, some governance around protecting the future of Wales. So there's a Future Generations Act. So you have, if you're doing anything within Wales, you have to make sure that it's not going to damage the well-being of future generations. So here in Wales, there are, and there are just, there's a real um, sustainability movement in Wales that has been a revelation to me and, and is really exciting. And so we've had conversations that, you know, we've, we've just been going to a sustainable Wales events, um, and sort of chatting to people and finding some real support and interest. So that's sort of rippling away in the background. Of course, we're talk- talking to other boroughs across London. Um, you know, when I talk to my friends about it, they quite often go off and talk within their own communities about um, what might be possible. So we've got some of those conversations happening. And then we have slightly more national conversations happening, but they're really early stages. Um, but, you know, we, we, we're hoping to work with some partners who share our mission just to amplify it and work together mm-hmm. to, to, to do some good work. And, uh, you know, as, as you were saying earlier, um, you know, as, as we come out of this and communities can, can even support each other further, we want to make sure that certainly, you know, our pledges at the center of that is, is, is how can we, uh, you know, not lose this communication that's been happening and, and actually recognize, you know, make, make these changes that people are recognizing that we need to make and uh, to actually take it further to the next level when we don't have the restrictions that we have right now, which, which have been limiting you in some way, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's an amazing, I mean, it's a, a literally amazing moment. I mean, it's just extraordinary this year, but there's been an, a reveal about the potential to change. Mm-hmm. And that has been incredibly painful and hard in so many ways, but there are other parts of that process that I think have shone a light on the opportunity to do something another way and the will and the excitement about that and the, the, um, the the possibility. So yeah, I think now is a really interesting time. Rachel, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to turn it over. It's time for our quick fire round. And so I'm going to turn it over to SL to ask you some quick fire questions. So I think that it's great. The conversation that we've had has been hugely inspiring and it sounds like things are going really well. I like to add a wee dose of reality to this whole thing. So I think people really love to know about failures that you, people have overcome and hurdles that they've had to go through because I think it, it's easy to think, um, oh, it's all brilliant, when actually it's been a bit of a process, hasn't it? So can you tell us or yeah, talk, talk to us about a personal hurdle or a challenge that you've overcome and maybe what the learning has been for you in that? 
Sure thing. I was thinking, so this is a quick fire round. I was like, well, challenges. I mean, which, which day do you want to talk about? I mean, there are challenges. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's not paint too rosy of a picture because it is hard, you know. I mean, it's, I was, you know, like it's almost like you can't remember all the challenges because you're having to deal with the challenge that's in front of you. Hmm. Um, and I was thinking about this question and I was like, well, there's an obvious challenge this year, which was that we were about to launch some more campaigns and then the businesses we were working with were closed Mm. they were forced Mm. to close and so there were no it just didn't seem I mean I had a real crisis of confidence in that moment to think well we don't know what's going to happen we don't know what's going to happen to these businesses we don't know what's going to happen to people's wallets I mean a huge part of our mission that I haven't said is to keep costs down we don't want these environmental products to be more costly like we use the collective consumer model to um enable businesses to buy in bulk which brings them a discount so Mm -hmm. that's a that's a really big part of it so you know but even with that I was just I just felt like well I can't go out and ask people to put their money on the line if we don't know what's going to happen with you know with the economy or anything so so I had a real pause at that moment and you know I the way I got through it was just to keep talking to people and And, and not let myself think anything was a done deal or mm-hmm. a door was closed or, you know, it, it, is, it is a question of just keeping going yeah. and just asking hard questions. You might want to, not want to know the answer because it might be an answer you don't want to hear, but then you know, you know, you've got to work with knowns and, and you reset your course. So, you know, that was really hard. And then the other thing I, I kind of just really quickly wanted to touch on because if, you're a founder, you're probably going to go through this, but it's like the relentless pursuit of the money you need to get you to the next stage Mm -hmm. and just, you know, repeat rejections on that front. You know, you get to a certain point, you think you've had a really convincing conversation. You're almost there with the grant you're down to the final few for the investment route, you know, whatever it might be, accelerate your investment accelerator and, and you don't get it. And you know, there's that, you you just have to keep going you believe in what you do and believe in what you're doing you just you just do I mean actually you just do keep going but I think having conversations really 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 helped me not kind of sink into a hole I just chatted to people talked transparently listened learned iterated I love that I love the idea that you decided to listen more. And that's so interesting because I think the temptation often in really difficult times like this year has been is to react and pivot. And that's not always the wisest uh, move. So um, what's maybe one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? I would ask her to Think about what gets in the way when she's trying to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Spend a bit of time with that and, um, and exercise that muscle. Because I think one of the things, like a daily challenge, is having to make decisions. Yeah. And I'm learning, I'm actually working with a coach and I'm learning, or actually, what I should say is I'm unlearning. Yes. Some patterns. That's the tricky bit, isn't it? The unlearning takes almost twice as long. <laughs> yeah. So if I could just go back to her when she was doing the original, like uh, some of that problematic kind of, you know, those, those um, 
just just that the process that you go through when you're making a decision and and you know whatever beliefs that she you know the young me had that kind of got in the way or, or you know clouded things I think I just wish I could do that work with her then mm. but um but to anyone at any stage I'd say it's a really interesting process if you have an opportunity to work with somebody on on any you know on anything it's a good idea but for me it's been really profound to to look at making decisions because that's so key to what I do and what's the one thing that everyone that's listening should start doing right now to support you in your mission and cause well in support of the cause I think one of the most profound turning points for me was somebody saying you know when you throw something away you know that there is no away (laughs) like (laughs) away isn't a magical disappearing place it is probably a landfill or a Malaysian beach or a you know dolphin you know it it, I was going to get really graphic then but you know like that everything we throw away goes somewhere else there is no magical away so I think just think thinking about that when you go to throw something away it's just just helped me a lot you know kind of start that process of thinking oh god this exists and it exists here and it's going to exist somewhere else um so that's one thing is just kind of remind yourself catch yourself that's really profound and then you know you start catching yourself before you buy the thing that you're then going to have to throw away because you know that when you buy it then you'll have it and then you have to think about this away thing um and then yeah and then that just triggers these other behavioral changes you know think think about think twice before you buy something that's wrapped in plastic is could you get it from somewhere else does it um yeah does it do you need it right now you know do could you wait and get it from someone else or could you start a conversation with your local shop about making some change and call our pledge and call our pledge obviously (laughs) um but yeah you know but these conversations do start because enough people are saying the same thing so um yeah find your find your allies find like-minded people also don't be afraid to talk about it Yes. You know, sometimes people feel like they don't want to go there. But actually, once you start chatting, you know, it is a it is a, a shared it is a shared concern, I think, for most people. And so, yeah, so some of those little changes. Mm. Um, and then obviously, yes, call us. <laughs> cool. Call us. I'd love it if people called us. That would be amazing. We need a phone. Okay. Uh, you can find us on, on the web. <laughs> and finally, then, um, what could everyone do right now in this second to make the world a better place? I think what you can do right now is just revisit what we were talking about earlier and revisit that sensation of how many people are in your life that are unseen. How many, um, how many ripple effects can happen from one or two interactions, you know? Like, I'll give you a statistic. The mini market, they'd be like, we're just one shop, what can we do? We estimated that by making these changes just in the first round, not with the new shop, but they took, they, they replaced um, a number of products with um, a, a number of products that would have been wrapped in plastic. They replaced 37,000 items. Wow. That's just in, just with their one change and they're just one shop, you know? So I think just, take a moment to remind yourself that what you do does matter. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. 
one, you might feel like, oh, it's just a small thing. What difference am I going to make? It absolutely is more than you think it is. And so I just would take a moment to, to remind yourself of that. You know, you are, yeah. you have more power than you think. And, um, and the world really needs people to remember that and, and um, yeah, and action it. So that would be my thing. So we just need a whole lot of whole many more people to care a whole awful lot. <laughs> yeah. Between them, that becomes a lot, you know, and it right. reinforces itself. It's that positive feedback loop, you know, it's a snowball effect. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. It's been amazing to have you on our show and to talk about the environment. The, the things you're doing at Our Pledge are just so inspiring. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great. And if people want to hear more about our pledge, where, where can they go? How can they find out more? So you can go to ourpledge.co.uk. Um, there's a, there are several buttons that take you to our start a conversation page where if you are a frustrated consumer, you can get in touch with us and nominate a local business um, that you would like to see, try some of their, some, some new product lines or try some new products. Um, and if you are a business that's thinking, oh, God, I really want to um, make some changes, but I haven't felt confident, then you can do the same thing. So ourpledge.co.uk and then, and then um, there's just a little form to fill in to tell us who you are and, and what business um, you would like to, to change. And then you can follow us online. We're, um, we're ourpledge.uk on Instagram and we are ourpledge.uk on Facebook as well. So Real. find us online. Fantastic. Thanks again, Rachel, and um, looking forward to catching up with you again in the in the new year and hearing about all the exciting things and all the exciting businesses that are going to be making pledges. So, thanks again for joining us, and thanks to our listeners uh, for being with us and hearing once again how better founders build better businesses. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you enjoyed it. Can we ask you to do just one thing? Share what three people you know would also enjoy listening to this podcast. We love hearing from our listeners, so tell us what you'd like to hear on a future podcast by tweeting us at Impact Central UK or go to our website, impactcentral.co.uk. We look forward to welcoming you back next week as we discuss why better founders build better businesses. <laughs>